0: Hello and welcome to the BodyTrack Academy, created by EPs, for EPs.
1: We'll cover all things clinical, business and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the BodyTrack Academy on Facebook, Look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists, and access more great content. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Body Track Academy podcast. Uh, my name is Tara, and I'm sitting down with Josh today. Hi, Josh. Hi, how are you going? Good, good. Now, before we jump into um, what we're going to talk about today, just a few questions for everyone to get to know you. So first up, do you have any hidden talents or party tricks?
0: I can wiggle my ears without touching them.
1: Oh. No, this is a bad really one on a podcast, podcast. But for everyone out there, yes, go on, show me. Okay, that's a legit movement. They wiggle. I'm thinking, do you know alfalfa? Yes, alfalfa little rascals. That's yeah, 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 yeah. That is exactly what it looks like. <laughs> for everyone, obviously, you can't see it. Um, okay, great, great trick. Uh, second question: cat or a dog person?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm not owned either, but probably dog. Dog person? Yeah, cats are too temperamental.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Uh, And finally, when you're not uh, working as an Mm. exercise physiologist, what do you like to do?
0: I like to eat. I like to go out and eat. (laughs) And the fancier the place, the better.
1: Oh, nice. All right. Favorite restaurant or favorite dish?
0: Recently, um, probably the black garlic bread dessert at Gage in South Bank. It's fantastic. It kind of messes with your mind a little bit because it's supposed to be sweet, uh, savory, but then it's just this – it's just – Beyond
1: words. Right. Yeah. Guys, if you're listening um, and want to sponsor Josh. You know, the... <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, I'll come with you if Almost you want. Open, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right. So uh, Josh has recently joined the BodyTrack Exercise Physiology team. And I've asked him to sit down and have a chat with me today to share his experience like, as a new grad wrapping up. Um, last year of uni, finishing prac placements and then joining the workforce. And so we're going to get into a little bit of uh, what that's like, what are the challenges, how it's going so far. And uh, we'll keep having these chats to kind of um, touch base and see how things unfold and, um, yeah, share your experience and your progress. So can you just give us a little bit of background about uh, like your study, uni, um, yeah, everything up until, I guess, the end of last year?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, So, obviously, I graduated in um, 2013 uh, from high school and I went into um, clinical exercise physiology straight out of school, but I think I was definitely not ready to do further study. I definitely needed that that break, that space just to sort out what I wanted to do and, and where I saw myself in the next five five to ten years. Mm. Um I'm a big one for not wanting to waste time either. So, mm-hmm. um the fact that I couldn't see a clear progression was sort of struggled I struggled with quite a lot. Yeah. So it took some time. Um
1: were you seventeen when you finished yes, high school? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
0: which is young, relatively to, Yeah, uh, I find sort of that decide. interesting
1: as well. Like just a quick side note, um I grew up in Tassie and we're all 18 when we finished school. So in mm. Queensland, people are 17 and they finish and go straight into uni and haven't, I don't know, sometimes had life experience. I have so many friends that halfway through a uni degree or even at the end don't go straight into work. Like they need that break.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the amount, of, the amount of stories I've heard of, of people I knew that had done four years of a degree, five years of a double degree and then not then gone into the profession that they'd studied. And I just – I. Didn't see the sense in that. Didn't so, want that. Yeah. Uh, so I took some time out. Um, I went and I looked at going to physio, that sort of thing, um, moving across. But I kept coming back to um, exercise physiology because it really resonated with me in the terms of that um, empowerment of people to do yeah. the job, rather than that over um, over reliance on on the allied health practitioner themselves. Hmm. Just from my experiences with with sort of physios and that sort of thing, I always felt that I got a better performance or a better uh, result if I was the one in charge. Yeah. Um, and it was sort of them steering me in the right direction. So, that's what I sort of came back to.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. I think uh, common that people consider both physio and EP or e- even EPs that graduate, work for a bit and think about going to physio. Yeah, so, interesting. Yeah. and Yeah. Comparing the, the two, but I like that.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. And, and like I have multiple friends of physios, and I admire physios greatly, um, and I spent a lot of time on the physio table, <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it just, there was something about EP that just really resonated with me, Um but yeah, so it took some time, I, I did, I, I worked pretty much all the way through uni, um, I wanted to travel, I wanted to be independent, do that sort of thing, and, um, and yeah, and then, so obviously took my time, um, end of last year, graduated, and was lucky enough to do an awesome placement here at BodyTrack, and Lucky enough that you guys reached out and here I am.
1: Yeah, awesome. So, prac placements, and like you said, um, resulted in a, a position with us from that. Did you consider that going into prac that it was a job opportunity, or were you just focused on learning? Uh, Bit, you know, I, yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I, think, I think you'd be silly not to yeah. going into prac. I mean, every every prac is an is an opportunity to showcase what you have, mm-hmm. and whether it's not for your prac site yourself, but the, the the health industry is quite tight knit, yeah. and if it's not there, it's somewhere else, mm-hmm. and everyone knows everyone, and everyone's sort of particularly in a place like Brisbane, um, everyone is very very. Um, quick to offer offer an opinion on their experiences with someone so you want to make sure that you leave any any practice or any interaction with a with a positive um with a positive memory of yourself i guess
1: yeah um
0: on the flip side personally for me like time is important mm. so i didn't want to not get anything out of it and i'm a, f- a firm believer in that the more you put in the more you get out so um i've always sort of invested in prac because otherwise i just don't see the point in being there.
1: Just showing up skill time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like a lot of, uh, a lot better use of your time if you really not invest in actually getting whatever it might be from that practice
1: experience. Yeah. Now really important point. And as I guess the person uh, heavily involved in our recruitment and hiring decisions, I think it is really important. Um, if there's, you know, third and fourth year students listening and about to or starting their practice, definitely treat it as your chance to, don't have to, you know, wow with your knowledge, but it's that learning mindset and um, professionalism because uh, we hire a lot of our team based on PRAC. But even a couple of years down the line, um, we've had practitioners go and work elsewhere, then come back to us and we remember how they performed on PRAC. Mm-hmm. And we also get asked, um, like as referees, or when applying for other jobs, you know, if they did their PRAC basement with you, how did you find them? So, mm-hmm. You're exactly right that it is quite a small, tight knit community. Everyone talks, and that's your chance to put your best foot forward and make make a good impression.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well on top of everything, it's it's that like timing is was super important for me as well. Like I was very lucky in that, obviously with Sherwood and the yeah. expansion and everything like that. Um, not to retract from like my experiences here, and I think uh, I did quite well on prac here. But um, yeah, I think timing is really important as well.
1: Yeah. Very true. All right. So, wrapped up your prac, you've graduated. Were you – how are you feeling? Were you nervous, apprehensive about starting work, just excited? I know you're a very uh, positive, excitable person. So, I'm going to venture that it was more excitement than anything else? I
0: think nervous energy. Yeah. I think that's the – like, exciting, yes. And um, I think it was probably – For me, it was trying to sort of stifle that excitement and and focus on on building that routine. And and I think that's the thing that we had a couple of conversations about quite early on was, Mm -hmm. you know, getting that routine down pat, being able to sort of systemize that approach and when you get here at the start of the day so that, you know, you can, yes, use all that excitement and that nervous energy, but put that towards your interaction with the clients and things like that so that their experience is really good rather than necessarily having that so you're bouncing all over the place, like not sure where you're next. Um, point of contact is because I think that happened to me a few times in the first couple of days. It was sort of just like, was so much knowledge and so much information being thrown at me, and so many processes that we tried to get through. And it was, it was sort of that moment where I needed to step back and go, okay, I need to just have some, some schedule here, yeah. So that every time I get to work, it's almost fixed that switch and gets me back into work mode. Mm. And then that I can let that excitement then and that natural energy that I have like um, move through from there.
1: Yeah. Yep. So- uh, anything in particular that you tried to focus on in your first couple of weeks starting?
0: Um, I think for me, I, I went with, obviously in a new environment first time out, I was nervous, but mm-hmm. I think what I tried to do was I tried to make my strengths a focal point yeah. for the first couple of, which is sort of potentially an easy way to, to start, but I think it's really important that you sort of build those, comp- those confidences in yourself. So, yeah. Um, for me, my rapport building, I find with, with patients can be quite positive quite positive and is an aspect that I that I really enjoy. So, I made sure that in my first interactions with patients, uh, sorry, with clients and, and everything like that, that I was able to really make sure that they left the session feeling like they achieved something, but also that I was there and was listening and they felt the same connection with me that they may have done with the practitioner that they've had for a very long time. Because they've got some very sort of, uh, long-time clients here um, they have been seeing practitioners for for a number of years. So I think it's always a bit daunting going into that sort of thing when some of don't like change.
1: Yeah, yeah. And just for a bit of context, I guess, um, that with some, like, practitioner on leave or with scheduling changes and stuff, when we have a, a new EP join the team, they'll often um, have a handover of existing clients as well as seeing their own. Um, so I think that's quite interesting, Um Uh, there's different challenges or different um, maybe nerves around seeing uh, an existing client who's used to a practitioner that's been here for five or more years compared with a new client and having to do an initial assessment and kind of start from scratch. Uh, How did you find like comparing the two? Was one easier than the other or was um, different?
0: I think, I think, Different, yeah. different. I mean, they all, they all have their own challenges, but they also have their own upsides as well. I mean, I mm-hmm. think you have that sense of um protectiveness or responsibility if it's your if it's a new client that you're seeing for the first time because yeah. because you're in charge of their not only their initial um perspective on yourself yeah. but also the clinic and yeah. also EPs in general. I mean, a lot of the people we see haven't seen. Barely know what an EP is yeah. before coming into the practice, so I think
1: just re- representing the entire industry yeah, in that know, it's one a lot of hour, to no pressure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but you know, I think, and and that does go. It went, went through my mind a little bit. Obviously, not to um, a huge degree, but um, I think there's always that point where you want to you want to prove yourself hmm. to, to people, um, and then on the flip side, when you're seeing someone that you know you um, has been here, knows a processes, knows a facility, sometimes better than you do, has been here longer than you have, um, that's a little bit daunting as well because you almost have to run that line between using your knowledge but then also supporting what's already been sort of um, put in place before you and right. making sure that you're not um, disregarding anything from the, from the client's perspective that they find really important. Right. And I think that's sort of a, a, a final line that you you sort of tread initially oh. but um but the the oh, just to give a little bit of um background the the practitioners here were so good in that handover even if it was for a single session yeah. you know the amount of information and support and even like um little topics of conversation if you found that yeah. um found it getting a little bit sort of long pauses <laughs> long pauses and things like that so it it did help and help with that, um, I guess, that structure of your session because you felt that you were, had avenues to go down, if anything sort of
1: went wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm going to circle back to what you touched on before, which is a strengths focus coming mm-hmm. into a new or challenging environment because uh, I absolutely love this. It's the way I try and approach things and mm-hmm. with training and, and mentoring, um, I love a strengths kind of based approach and it, while, yep, it's important to be aware of weaknesses and make sure they don't have negative impacts and stuff, if you can focus your attention on things that you already have confidence in and things that you know by your strengths, mm. it's so much easier to tackle something regardless of, you know, it's a completely new or foreign experience. Yeah. You know you've got those skills to draw on. So definitely your rapport building you mentioned. No doubt that you are a people person. Gifted the gab, this one. Um, any other skill sets that you kind of knew that you could fall back on regardless of what happened?
0: I think, and probably should have touched on this, I guess, um, with my background, but obviously having a a background in sort of biomechanics and strength and conditioning, Mm. I guess we see a lot of musculoskeletal, um, population here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's always sort of that musk, um, element to every, every case we see here, which makes it a lot easier for me having that background because it is something I'm comfortable with. Mm. Um, and so for me coming into this environment, it was always I knew at the back of the mind that that was something that I could educate on and, and, and fall back on. And then it was then about using that, like you said, as a base to then start pushing into sort of the other areas that I was less familiar with or, or less confident in and um, sort of, I guess, testing my knowledge then in, in those aspects as well. But yeah, I think it, it really did help having that background there because I was used to communicating not only in rapport building but in sort of a more clinical environment, one-on-one, talking about whether it be, you know, their rehab or how it, how's it going or, or isolating certain movement patterns or whatever it might might have been. I was comfortable in having those conversations and able to flick that switch then from being very much sort of chatty to, mm. okay, clinical, this is what we need to do, this is what's going on, how do we move from here? Yeah. Um, so I think I was lucky in that, in that aspect. Or oh, yeah.
1: Awesome. And it's about framing the situation in, uh, you know, how can I use rapport building and, mm. and people skills, mm. even if I feel so out of my depth or I've never heard of this condition before. Okay, I don't have to know that, but I do know people. How can I use that to mm. my advantage kind of in the situation? Yeah, okay. absolutely. And I
0: think uh, one thing that sort of resonated with me, and he'll like that I said this, was obviously um, one of my um, tutors back at uni always used to come back to me as like it's okay if you don't know something,
1: hundred percent. But the
0: worst thing you can do is just like sort of try and fudge over it or or cover it up with yeah. stuff because people will be able to see through it and people can see because whether it be you start getting nervous or you you know you you aren't able to articulate what you want in the best fashion,
1: and that's often more the case. Uh, you know, other rather than then knowing what you're saying isn't, you know, necessarily accurate. It's your um, what you're putting across, your Absolutely. body language, and yeah, and things yeah. like that.
0: I think, and sometimes the best thing you can do for um, for that rapport building is to say, "Look, I'm really unsure where we go from here, but luckily, this is what I do know. Mm. This is where I'm going to go to to find out the information I need, and then we're going to come back and we're going to get a plan." And sometimes that not only helps in their trust of you, but they also start to see you less as that sort of external source and start to think, well, this guy's now going to go and do extra research. He's doing stuff behind the scenes to make sure that specific to me, yeah. we are getting this job done. And I think that really helps.
1: Mm. It's so genuine, I think. Yeah. Be, and that's yeah. so essential for rapport building is to mm. be genuine. If you don't know, say you don't know. Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot more powerful. Yeah. Um, Alright, so what do you think any like big learnings or changes to your practice or approach just in this initial few weeks you've had so far? Um Do you feel the same rocking up to work every day? Is it have you got a bit more of that structure and routine?
0: I think I think there's definitely that, that routine in place when I like yeah. when I get here. When I get here I can flick that switch, I can get everything ready so that I can invest in each individual session and I know mm. what my, what my day looks like. Cause sometimes initially I was sort of having to, to check who, what I had next or, or who I had next. Doing it on what, the fly. Yeah. Day. What my, what my sort of day looked like. And so I think that was quite quickly I realized that I needed to know for myself more than anything else what I had for the rest of the day and what time I had and whether I had a chance to have an extra five minute conversation with this, mm. with this client or whether I had to wrap it up really quickly because I had someone else coming. Um, that and then also um, I think I sort of went on a little bit of a squiggly line in terms of my rapport building. I went from being – trying to be very sort of genuine and casual and and casual in a sense but um, sort of very much genuine I think is the is – Personable. Personable, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with, with uh, the clients to then – going through a couple of couple of days or a mindset where I was like, no, no, I need to be more clinical. Mm. And I sort of went too far the other way. And then um, it was it was really good because I had some of the practitioners be like, oh, you just don't seem yourself today. It's you like, you know, we used to see you laughing and joking and mm. stuff like that, and it doesn't really seem like you. And, and sort of then I realized, well, then I've got to start to find that line between that clinical approach and then still letting my personality, which is a strength of mine, come yeah. through. Yeah. So um, that was sort of a short but – interesting um, sort of U-turn, which, mm. which happened. But um, I think it's one of those things where you're just going to find your place and your, I guess, your what professional hat you're going to put on at mm. every time. And I think so, you are going to struggle to pick the times mm. um, as you get more experience. But, um, yeah, no, definitely uh, an interesting interesting couple of weeks just figuring that out.
1: Yeah, I think the most important thing there is a willingness to try on some different hats and, you know, show up slightly different one day and then mm-hmm. reflect, oh, no, that didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. That didn't get the outcome I wanted. Let's yeah. try again. Mm. Um, that experimenting almost is far more important than, mm. you know, the initial outcomes or, or what you do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I needed to. I think that's the thing is that when if you don't, you don't know whether you're A, going to get a better reaction out of the clientele or B, mm. whether you're going to get a better outcome for yourself. Mm. So, um, I found that I was a lot more engaged into – you know, the, the path of fears and the mechanics and everything around what the client was happening. But I was missing certain things because I was less, I, had, I didn't have that ability to really listen to what was being said. And then mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, that interaction and that listening to your client is, is half the battle. Mm-hmm. So that was a really good realization for me. It was like, okay, well, I need to now balance
1: this a little bit better. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. So looking ahead, the next couple of months. Do you like? Have you mapped out some key things that you want to focus on? Are you taking it day to day? Do you have like goals or areas that you want to improve on?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think for me, um, I need to be more sort of experimental is the wrong word, but I need to need to open my mind a little bit more in my exercise prescription. Mm-hmm. I think um, there's a, you know, there's that let we talk about balance quite a lot here, but the, mm-hmm. there's that balance between doing what you know is is supported by evidence and and is there and it's going to help. And the other side of being able to replicate what you actually want to get out of that Mm. um, in sort of a, um, in a treatment aspect. So for me, it's, it's opening myself up to, to, to different, um, I guess, avenues of, of exercise treatment and things like that and making sure that my research is, is expanding rather than going down the same pathways all the time I think yeah Um, you have
1: this safe little toolkit of things that you know you can use and it'll be fine but I mean how are you going to improve and grow if you don't try some things and I think yeah interpret what you know and then use your clinical reasoning and judgment to try some new things good yeah great goal um
0: so that I think for me I definitely want to start pushing into a few sort of Um, professional development areas i Mm -hmm. think there's a few few areas that have started to um sort of grab my attention a little bit um and obviously there's the opportunity to to do a little bit more um more research and things like that in particularly in oncology and, and and neuro yeah um just with obviously um with caitlin and nicole here they're wanting to go through a little bit more um, sort of structured learning for their um, and, and how they can transition what they know and their knowledge base into a, a more modulated system for, for everyone else to take on. So I think mm. that's been really cool to um, to be a part of, and I'm happy to be the guinea pig and sort of see how. That oh, goes. With,
1: yeah, the talent and experience that those those uh, girls have—you'd be silly not to it's use the resources around yeah, you.
0: Yeah. Mm. So um, that's definitely something that I want to um, want to look at as well. I think. But I, I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to try and go down any sort of specialist avenue too soon. I, I like the variety. I think if, if you yeah. only look at one thing every single day, you'll only ever see one thing every single day. Uh-huh. And I think the, um, uh, I guess, the positive aspect of seeing a variety of, of clientele is that you're always looking at things from multitude of different angles. Yeah. So um, I want to keep that as much as possible. Uh-huh. So I guess there is that sort of, Focus, but more sort of external to client interaction than yeah. necessarily trying to
1: Just these focus specific on the population.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, awesome. Well, we'll keep, uh, I think we'll do a few more chats throughout, you know, I guess the next year mm-hmm. and check in with progress and how you're finding things. Um, we're opening up a new clinic, so that's going to be, you know, a lot of fun, but sure, some some challenges as well. And if anyone, uh, if there's anything, I guess, as new grads that you'd like us to to talk about or questions you've got, Mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of a good chance to get all this stuff out in the open. Um, We're going to, I know the next little chat we're going to have is about um, like job applications and interview um, processes and navigating all of that and trying to find... A great job when you first leave, so that'll be coming up soon. Uh, to wrap us up, any kind of final words, top top tips for someone who is in your position, I guess, in a couple of months into a new job.
0: Yeah, um, I think. I <clears throat> mean, um, I think really just like we talked about, finding confidence in your strengths, but also being able to acknowledge where you need to work on yeah. because it's not only comforting for yourself to know that you've got things, you've got tangible things to tick off, but it's comforting for the people around you to know that you're that self-aware to go, okay, we can see that, you know, he, he knows what he needs to focus on or we can tweak that slightly, but it's amazing that he's looking and that sort of thing. And you only get better by correcting those, those um, sort of insufficient areas, yeah. but, um, but definitely finding that confidence base to boost off. And, I guess for me, I you're always going to feel initially like you're ill-prepared, um, but at the end of the day, I think you need to then rely on the experiences you've had, both in the real world just generally and then as an EP as well. Um, and obviously through uni, you've got a big knowledge base and things like that, but we come back to if you can talk to someone, if you can build rapport, if you can listen, generally listen to someone, um, that's half the battle. We're in a in a people people focused environment. So if you if you can help the person, yeah, everything else tends to fall into
1: this place. Yeah, lead with that, and I always say, get used to feeling uncomfortable. You're going to have to. Yeah, it's going to happen regardless of whether you want to or not. The mm-hmm. more you can be comfortable and uh, continue on anyway, yeah, you know, the better, better off you'll be. Absolutely. Alright, thanks Josh, talk again soon.
0: Thank you
1: very much. Thanks for listening to the BodyTrack Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the BodyTrack Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.